Yep, it's me, Dan DeBoof. I am at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival doing comedy chats, and my guest today is David O'Doherty. David O. Let's say Doherty or Doherty. Doherty. No, don't say that. That sounds like an impersonation of my accent. That was just lightly racist. Yeah, it was. Well, it does sound quite Arabic. I was on the flight. I flew over with Emirates and they keep they make announcements in Arabic first. Yes, it yes. It keeps sounds like they're saying my name. No. So I keep thinking, oh, because, you know, they'd be like, we found a wallet belonging to Mr. Doherty. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. But then I'd listen to it and it would just be like. We're going to have lunch now, guys. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Airplane announcements. Are. Oh, they've got a wonderful first class as well, don't they? I wouldn't know anything <laughs> about that. Um, well, welcome here. Do you get, um, I'm sure you get people, this isn't really a line of questioning that yeah. I anticipated, but I'm sure you get people attempting to do your voice to you, um, especially at like, you know, festival well, club and stuff. Like people just come up to you and are just like, Here's how you sound to me. Well, not in Ireland. No, but here in Australia. <laughs> You'd be surprised how little novelty value this accent has in Ireland, where everyone sounds exactly like this. But then the most patronising one is, I, don't, I always get weirded out by, you could say anything and it would sound funny with that accent. Oh. As in, like, if I, was to, if I was a doctor breaking the news of a death in your family, you would just be falling around the place laughing. At how comically ridiculous my voice sounds all the time. <laughs> that's so weird, isn't it? Because that's the logic. It's like if everything sounds funny in an Irish accent, then any time anything happens in Ireland, like the, it's funny. Yeah, we could declare war on another country, which would be unlikely now. <laughs> Maybe a little, you know, Switzerland or something. <laughs> and no, someone smaller than that. Albania. And then they'd just be like, oh, my God, that is so funny. Good one. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Ireland. All right. I suppose it would be funny. Yeah, but anything said in German is terrifying. <laughs> German stand-up comedy is the stuff of nightmares. All right. Well, I'm going to – we're sort of – you've been here for a week, but it's still early days in the festival, so I'll apologise in advance for all the drunk Australians who are going to try to do your bits to you at Festival Club. I'll probably be one of them. I'll come up to you and I'll be like – I won't even try. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I don't. Um, I, I, yeah, it doesn't really. Uh, people get on their high horses, like your paranoia about being mispronouncing my uh, second mm. name. But I don't. Um, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Exactly. Say it's it all good. anyway. There's yeah, yeah, so yeah. many things in this world that um, are worth getting worried about. <laughs> but like stuff like that, let's just you know. We're both white men. We shouldn't really be worrying. About We've got nothing so much. to worry about. We know, right? are everything's just going great for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can just oh my sit, God. We can just sit and chat. <laughs> it's so good. I recommend it. So I bought new. I bought new running shoes. I know, and you've whipped one off. Well, they are designed for running, but the man. So I, I wanted shoes that were lightweight and not too hot. So I went to a technical running store. Do you know what they hate selling? Like shoes to people who clearly aren't ever going to go running in them. Oh. They really hate it. So, like, you've walked in and they've massively overestimated your enthusiasm for running shoes? Well, he was like, So, do you, are you thinking more 10Ks or marathons? So, that's what these shoes are. Oh my and God. I was like, I will be looking at the internet oh, a lot in these shoes. Geez. And thereafter, yeah, even though they're like quite expensive shoes. He was still, I felt, I, I lost, I should have lied. I should have said, I'm going to be doing some sort of ultra running. I can't, but, okay, no offense, right? 
No uh, offense. This, that means this is going to be quite offensive. He looked at you and he was like, it's a toss-up between 10Ks and marathons. I, uh, <laughs> like I'm i a doughy man, but I'm only a marginally <laughs> doughy man. I could be about to turn it all red. I could get buff. I mean, so, I, I think I could get... How long would you say it would take me to get buff? Like, you know, you see those stories on Facebook posts. Six months. No, way less than that. <laughs> oh, my God. I could. I have a, still have an astonishing box-to-box engine. In previous years, uh, when I'm doing the comedy festival in Melbourne, I play for a local football team. Okay. Uh, but the problem is, so Monday is the mi- night off at that festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I play in a league, but it's what would be called an ethnic league. <laughs> and so once I watched a match, the game before us was Turkey against Croatia. And it was as close to a bloodbath as I have ever witnessed yep. uh, on a football pitch. But then our team were out of work actors of Melbourne. So no one really has a beef with us. It's not like the Slovenians are like, oh, do you know we hate You're like them. a bi. Bloody actors. <laughs> we were we were all right. And I, but I brought I brought something special to the play. What I, was it? Uh, magic with my feet. I conjure yeah, magic out of right. nothing. You know what I mean? Just but my confidence has now been wrecked by you telling me I need six months to turn it around. Um, it was not meant to be offensive. These it's more to do with start of it. It's more to do with my ineptitude around exercise. I don't know how long the process takes. You're buff though. You don't. I'm you, really not. You, you you don't need. Oh really? I've got the sort of like you know. There's like the history teacher at your school who has like long thin limbs, but like a portly gut. I don't know. That's this a, sweater hides multitudes. Yeah, I know, but that's like, I haven't done any study for this exam whatsoever, and then you get a bloody A. <laughs> we should run a 10K, around this office. I couldn't do it. Around this table. Probably it'll be about 30,000 laps of this table, Yeah, and we'll find out. The who's... toughest bit is because the desk actually joins the wall would be the vault. Yeah, the jumping over yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> Are you, um, have you got a passion for sports? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was... Quite sporty when I was little. I played uh, rugby what was your for um, Ireland schoolboys when I was like 17. No shit. That's it, really impressive. Uh, I was like a creator supreme. I didn't like tackling is the truth. Yeah. So I was like a, a soccer player pretending to play the wrong sport. I was like, my dad was a rugby guy, so I was kind of the same. Like, I was, my brother played for the state. Like, I was the one that was like, oh, oh, dear, oh. Dear, oh. <laughs> well, no, I have that in my family because my father is um, a famous jazz musician at home, a very musical kind of guy. And my mother played tennis for Ireland then. So I thought I might get one of them. Far out. Those are be, two overachievers. Be a really good. I know. And I went straight down the middle where I'm okay ish yeah. at music. <laughs> And pretty bad at tennis. What do they? Uh, what do they think of your little sketches? <laughs> that, well, when your father is a jazz musician, this career is actually more legit. Than, oh, you know, yeah, if you yeah, imagine yeah. being like a girlfriend's parents, and like I'm a stand-up comedian, you'd actually prefer to hear that than I'm. A, I'm into this minority music that everyone <laughs> hates. I think there's more career potential in in stand-up, but no, they're highly. Uh, they're, they're really behind me. Great. They come to your shows. Yeah, they do. They they they're marginally horrified by things sometimes, but I, you know I don't talk about them very much. I no. celebrate their having arrived at the gig always. They came to a show in London about three. Just put weeks a spotlight ago. on them <laughs> and just well, just to go thanks guys for not expecting me to get a proper job. Ever. Yeah, oh, know, I, I think that's parents would like to hear that because I'm sure they they did have conversations, which is 
which were like, Uh-oh. oh God, let's just, could, could he please just do something just with it? before the tipping point, right? When you're like, I'm still going to, I'm, I'm going to keep going for another year because I reckon there's success around the corner and they're going, oh no. I mean, they definitely thought I was some sort of great entrepreneurial mind because I was, so I had, I had a shed, okay, in our back garden and I ran quite a few enterprises out of that. Uh, For example, detective agency. Yeah, great. The, the, the detective <laughs> agency was, but but so because I, I was very into detective kids books. Oh my god, same. Yeah, so the best. We once did. We once put flyers in all the letterboxes on the road of like, do you have a mystery? Yeah, great. That, and you need us to. Did you uh, get but, a client? But then I put. MR home phone number. <laughs> like the nine-year-old me. So, no, I don't think anyone ever rang unless my mother never told me. But then, so then we decided we would branch into finding lost pets. As in, you'd see in the window of the shop, be oh, like, so you'd, uh, lost this pet. You'd be proactive in searching for business. Yeah, which was really bad. Because the, the, I once had to phone up an, an older lady and uh, I was like, hello, is that Mrs. Watkins? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, did you lose a cat called Dreamboat? Oh, and so obviously she was like, false hope. oh, yes, oh. yes, yes, I did. And so I had to be like, well, you're in luck because <laughs> me and my eight and nine-year-old friends <laughs> run a cat-finding detective agency and we've decided to take on your case. <laughs> you could be our first success. Yes. Oh, that's and brutal. so she just said, can I speak to your mother? And that's that's a low moment when a detective has to hand the phone over to the detective's <laughs> mother and uh, they uh, sorted it out between them. And mother said, never do that again. So we moved then into cleaning cars. Which is a bit more reputable, isn't it? Yeah, well, there's more money in it as well. <laughs> but, uh, and oh yeah, also, so it was, a, it was a dark shed at the end of our garden with maybe 15 feet of just arable land behind it so I grew vegetables then which I sold door to door but there was no light in this part of the garden so we would grow carrots that would grow up to like not even whatever the petty poires little carrots would be and also and I would call around to to the houses on the road with this bucket of mutant vegetables and people would oh no the the detective's back again (laughs) (laughs) and so it was just sympathy sales loads of sympathy sales but uh, so from that I think they thought I was going to be a serious entrepreneur. You know what I mean? I was, yeah, yeah. They're like, he's always having great ideas. Yeah. But yeah. then, unfortunately, they went into the funny jokes. Mm. You know, who knows? At, if at an early age, you know, Murdoch had got into stand-up or something, his history could have been so different then as well. <laughs> um, well, are you doing... I looked on the, on the um, website, I guess. Are you doing a kid's show as well? Yeah, I write children's books. How's that? How do you get into the children's book racket? I was doing it before I did stand-up. I wrote children's book in university. Ah. This is making my... We've really covered a lot of my great achievements here. I kinda, I'm liking this, though. It's good. It's And we're not doing it in chronological order, yeah. too. It's it's a non-linear um, CV. <laughs> I was, like, I found all these letters recently where if I liked a magazine, this is at the age of, like, 12 yeah. or 13, I would just write to that magazine oh, and be like... I haven't. So um, I liked mountain biking. So I'd be like, I'm going to draw. Um, guys, um, how about I cycle around Ireland and you give me a free bike? And they'd be like, you're 13. 
You please, are an entrepreneur. Please write back to us in, when you're 25 and you've written some actual stories. Uh, no, they were all those magazines would be nice. But then I was always writing to kids, publishers. I'd be, I'd have a terrible idea for a book and just send it straight out, like to the address yeah, yeah, yeah. on the inside cover. And uh, anyway, I think one of them must have got back when I was about 18 or 19 and ended up writing a kid's book then. And so uh, over the years, I've written a few cartoons. I've written a few things for kids. And now the last three or four years, yeah, I've, written, I've got a series for, for Penguin called Danger is Everywhere that you mm. can get here. And then part of the fun of that is doing shows for kids. It's warning you about dangers in the world that you don't really need to like what to how to figure out if your teacher is a vampire oh good if shark sharks coming up out of the loo the toothbrush snake is a snake that poses as a toothbrush till you put it in your mouth and it shoots up your nose like that sort of thing how do when you when these ideas happen in your brain how do you decide whether to put them in the kids box or the not adults box but the sort of stand up set box i mean there's definitely some crossover in that in that i have I did a show a few years ago where we um, fixed the audience's bikes. Audience could bring their bikes because I used to work in a bike shop. I'd fix them yeah, live Another on one stage. for the CV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that had real appeal across kids and grown-ups. You know, whereas like the stand-up show I'm doing now at the moment is very much a, a grown-ups show. But I don't know, somewhere along the line, I'm just like, yeah, I, I guess I would love to write a show one day that everyone... Could could come along to yeah. maybe that'll be the next. Got to stop project. splitting your audience. The uh, the the kids books are funny though because there are from doing these readings. The so we're, I've just written the third book in the series. There are kids who basically memorized the first two books and spotted obvious contradictions, plot contradictions no. between the two, like you, Game of Thrones fans, yeah, but yeah, for like, like a book with five hundred word count, <laughs> exa- like Trekkies who are like yeah. to uh, William Shatner. Um, why in series seven did you have a collared shirt? Uh, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm noticing now the dreadful mistakes I've made in the past. But no, it's 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 super fun. Yeah. That must be so cool as well. Just because I remember when I was a kid, and I'm, I'm, I've assumed you're the same. Like things like detectives and stuff, you get so into stuff, and you'd live it, and you'd eat it, and breathe it. It must be so gratifying to know that there is a generation of children who, despite all the internet and just oh, PlayStation yeah. and stuff, they still froth on it that hard. And it's you who's creating it. That's yeah, pretty cool. But like, I, no one's changed fundamentally. Yeah. You know, it's a. Uh, I got, like, I got such a funny thing the other day. Someone, a parent sent me this uh, photograph of their kids have uh, set up, these two kids had set up a organization in the shed, in their garden, which is exactly what I did. But so our organization is called Danger is Everywhere and it's pointing out all of these yep. stupid days. So they've started an organization called uh, Safety is Stupid, <laughs> which is for Danger is Everywhere haters. And haters is H-8-R-S with a line through it to show how much hate they have. So, yeah, when you're you're provoking those sort of emotions in... It's a very creative period, I think, when you're... How old are they? uh, Eight, nine, ten. So you've got eight-year-old nemeses out there. Yeah, completely. It's probably a hit on me. If I go back and find a live shark in my room then I'm afraid I do right just out of the toilet I should (laughs) have followed my own dictum (laughs) he died as he lived (laughs) well I've got no idea how long we've been talking for because 
I've set up the recording software. <laughs> well, I know, but what I can tell you is that we've re- we've done three thousand bytes, four hundred and eighty-three oh, bars. Wow! In C major, in four-four time, apparently. Oh my goodness! Because I'll tell you what that means. You could put a fat beat behind this then, <laughs> and because it's if it's pitched. Then we're going to be pit, you could, easy to auto-tune then as well. We could do a dubstep remix of this mad chat. Any any kind of... I'd bring a more urban vibe to it. Put in a lot of gunshots, things like those. Air horns, gunshots. <laughs> uh, well, um, it's it's been a pleasure. It's been really great to chat. Thanks, Dan. Uh, and it was a good final little bit that we snuck in there. That was I, good. I loved it. <laughs> All right.